1: Hello, welcome everyone to The Distraction here on Fightful.com. It is Thursday. I am Jeremy Lambert, joined, as always, by the dressed-down Joe Holbert. Not, no popped collar today, Joe, just back in black.
2: We're talking about wrestling, right? So I didn't want to, <laughs> you know, it feels like the wrong type of dressing up for professional wrestling broadcast. But yeah, we are here. Uh, we are going to talk about wrestling, I'm told, Jeremy. So... I'm very excited, as you can tell here by my opening statement. You know what, actually, I will say, just in case anyone thinks this is going to be overly negative. After Monday, I think me and you expected this to be a much harder show than it will prove to be. I thought last night kind of allowed us a little bit more more leeway as far as what we talk about here. Because on Monday, Jeremy, I think we both hit a wall. Is that fair to say? I had a mental breakdown
1: in your mentions or in your DMs on Monday to where... Real quick, I'm going to plug everything. Use the hashtag distraction on Twitter. (laughs) Trending worldwide. Number one right now. Join the conversation. Uh, Fightful.com. All your wrestling needs. Fightful Select. Sign up. Get exclusive news. Extra audio. We got an interview with Dana Brooke up right now. So check that out. Yes. Monday Raw. It was the longest show of all time. And... I was, I was messaging you topics to, for what we could talk about on Thursday. Um, cause a couple of things were fresh in my mind. And like right as I'm messaging you topics, I think it was the, the tag team match where Ricochet and Alexander had lost. And this is actually going to be a topic today. Uh, but they had lost. So I'm just like, do tag teams even matter? And then it was like some Rey Mysterio promo, some Alistair Black promo, the, the Charlotte stuff. And I'm just like, this show is going to kill me. And so, yeah, I just had a mental breakdown in, in your DMs <laughs> that night.
2: Yeah, at that time, I feared for this program. I must say <laughs> I did. I, I didn't know where we were headed, but we have some topics. We have a format here that I think we're about to follow, right, I think. And I think by the end of this, Jeremy, we will discuss one worthwhile topic at least in the world of professional <laughs> wrestling now look that may not sound alike but it's an improvement on what we've done in the last month for wrestling shows so here we go uh, another bold encounter that we're on here
1: aew and nxt were fortunately good at least not terrible like raw so it did lift the spirits a little bit
2: after last night yeah the troops were down on monday <laughs> the troops <laughs> the troops were down hit the wall um I was lucky because I watched with the, with the power of the fast forward button, which helped me a lot. I always feel for you doing the actual watching the program live. Don't know how guys do that. If you do it, just absolute love to you. You're braver than me, but that, you know, that is what it is, right? It's your decision, Jeremy. I mean, kind of forced on you. It's kind of forced on you. I'm not going (laughs) to lie, but it is nonetheless your decision. It's not even like watching
1: live. It's watching and like trying to keep up. Like AEW had a ton of stuff. Last night Like I think I did Stories on All the stuff that was, you know, that they booked for next week. They booked like three double or nothing matches. The Moxley Brody stuff. Jake Roberts and his snake was a thing I had to write about. Uh, Matt Hardy's in-ring debut was something like I did like five stories from the AEW show last night. And so it's like not even just watching the show live. It's watching it and writing the stories and just trying to keep up with everything. But I'd much rather just be busier like that than raw where it's like, when is this show going to end? Nothing on this show
2: matters. I'm pretty sure you just said that your main issue with Rory is that you actually have to watch the show. And I absolutely, (laughs) I love that as a critique. I must say, I really do like that a lot.
1: That's pretty much where it's at. Like I'm fine. Like I don't mind working. I think if anybody listens to this podcast or knows, like I would like, I work during these shows most of the time anyway. Like I have so much stuff that's just left over and whatnot that, Hey, I know I got to be in the office for three hours during Raw. I'm going to do my leftover stuff and try to get work done. Like, working is not an issue. Yes, actually watching these shows is not fun most of the time.
2: Wow, what an indictment that really is, right? You'd rather be just working through your quotes than staring up at the screen and watching Shane Fawn beat up Cedric Alexander. I love it.
1: Uh, Thursday, we talk wrestling. Tuesday, we review movies starring wrestlers. This past week, we reviewed Stuber starring award-winning actor, I don't think he's won any awards, but should be award-winning actor, Batista. Uh, Next week, we're going to review No Holds Barred starring Hulk Hogan. That was a pick by Joseph. Saturday, we have part three of our WWE TEW series draft. It is the big one with the picks beyond and high level trade negotiations our part three Saturday for the tew series next week will be the beginning of our playthrough on tew we're gonna get that recorded here shortly and uh have that for everybody next week but Thursdays is our wrestling day this is when we actually have to talk about the stuff we watch and not the actual fun stuff <laughs> do it making everyone want to tune into this show right now oh jeez these guys are gonna talk wrestling
2: this sounds exciting. Yeah, this is definitely our highlight of the week. You can tell by just how <laughs> high energy we are. We're really motivated to discuss this. But in Venice, we do have some stuff, right? This, this week, we have some stuff. You will see this now in the coming minutes. And I I have some hot takes, I think. And if I don't, I'm going to invent them like I did with the Batista <laughs> uh, We put five
1: minutes on the clock. We always go over time. Sometimes we stay on topic. Most of the time we don't. Let's get to it, Joseph. We're going to start with the... I don't know if it's the biggest story of the week, but it was a big story and it's uh, kind of an all-encompassing thing. The Revival were released last month. They did their uh, Big Talk is Jericho interview, which is where everyone goes after they get released by WWE. They immediately hit up Chris Jericho and be like, Let's, let's get this on the schedule, buddy. I know it's part of the deal. I think it's in like the WWE release contract that like you have to do this. I I think Jericho and WWE actually worked together on this. Um, but they, they did their talk as Jericho interview, said a lot of things that, I think a lot of people already knew on their unhappiness with they want the tag team division pushed, how much they were offered, the comedy gimmick where I'm sure people saw the leaked photos. They talked about that. Uh, Joseph, what did you make of the interview and really their comments on where tag team wrestling is in WWE?
2: Well, first things first, Jeremy, if WWE was involved, it would be an interview that takes place on Corey Graves' podcast, because that is where no punches are pulled and they talk about the real, you know, the real professional wrestling industry. I want to make it clear to begin with. I mean, we've discussed this topic in itself as just a tag team wrestling deal for a while, right? Like this was not a surprise to any like anyone that's probably listened to this show knows that I didn't get anything new from this. They are correct the tag division is meaningless. And if you don't believe me, then just look at SmackDown last week as the consensus greatest team in the history of the promotion lost a match to the Forgotten Sons. I haven't got a problem with the Forgotten Sons. That's not my point here. What I'm saying is, the world champ doesn't lose matches to the call-up the call like three weeks into their run. That just doesn't happen. But the tag yeah, team... Drew, Drew McIntyre
1: didn't lose to Austin Theory.
2: No, he didn't. <laughs> no, and this is the deal, right? Is people have seen it for this way, and they don't understand what our criticism is. What I'm saying is he's... The, the tag titles are framed as a mid-card achievement. It doesn't have to be that way. And when it is that way, and you have teams as great as New Usos and how great they had to be to get a spotlight on their feud. You know, we, we can't forget here, they had an, a, a rivalry underway and they were placed on the SummerSlam pre-show. Right, that's a real thing that happened, folks, okay? If they're in that position, the Revival needs a certain spins to get over. And when I say over, I mean over with the general WWE fan. Now, their best traits are if you give them a long tag team match they're probably the best in the world at that they're incredible at it. the details the layers they put in it i see they use layers they're unironically german you see that i <laughs> was impressive they're, cr- they're tremendous but fit wise it never worked because they were never going to get those matches they got 12 minute matches in the middle they were always trying to make them do kind of entertainment stuff ha ha silliness and this is where you end up so i wasn't surprised at all with what they said i agree with all their criticisms but at the same time it's just like we have such an amount of evidence for this that I can't be surprised in any way that it didn't work out. I'm just, as a fan, looking forward to what they do next. because I think there's a lot of opportunities out there to do good stuff. But, I mean, as far as their issues here, like it was exactly what I expected. I can't lie.
1: The timing of their criticisms couldn't have worked out more perfectly no. because we we had miz and morrison win the tag titles at the the saudi show and like their first defense they i think they lost to the usos it wasn't it wasn't a title defense it was a non-title match like their first match as a tag team uh being the champions like they just lost to the usos and then sure they won uh elimination chamber but then the new day their their first tag team match as the champion non-title match they just lose to the forgotten sons on Raw you got Ricochet and Cedric it's like all right maybe you know hot new tag team they can do some cool stuff they it seems like they're just getting thrown Brandon Vink and and Shane Thorne and Vink and Thorne just win and it's like Ricochet and Cedric are three and three as a tag team any hopes of them being anything you've just 50 50 them already and it's not going anywhere and like this is what that's what the tag team division is. This is this is what. It, and then you had the street profits. They lose a non-title match to to the Viking Raiders. And okay, you can t- say the stories like, oh man, they can't beat the Viking Raiders. That's not the story they're telling. The story they're telling is that all these teams are equal and anybody can win at any time. And like that, sure, that's fine. That doesn't get anybody over though. Imagine if everybody in the NFL was just five hundred. No one would care. No one cares that the, the Bulls make the playoffs as an eighth seed in this year. The Bulls aren't making any playoffs. They're terrible. Uh, the Magic. The Magic might make the playoffs if, if basketball is still around as an eighth seed, as like a 500 record. No one's going to be like, oh, man, the, this Orlando Magic team, let me tell you, Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier, they're going to cause some real damage. No, they're going to just get bounced out in the first round. No one cares. Like The tag team division is the, the Orlando Magic. Of WWE, everyone is just fifty fifty, and no one cares.
2: Yeah, I mean that's one way of play. I didn't expect. <laughs> I didn't expect the Aaron Gordon uh, tangent you went on, but I appreciate. Aaron it. Gordon there. just caught a stray here on this podcast. Yes, and I, I don't true. actually
1: mind Aaron Gordon, but look, he's on a he's on a mediocre team, and he's a mediocre player. All things considered.
2: Okay, I'm going to leave you there. With that one. I'm not <laughs> going to continue. There's a whole other road I go down. I'm going to go back to the rest inside of the and Carry on walking. Okay. Yes, no, you're correct. I, the best way to explain it is when Andrade gets pinned in a multi-man tag, you don't, you're not surprised when he gets pinned in an on-time. Actually, not surprised because he's a mid-card champ, and they have just nailed that into your head. He is a champion that is not very important. Okay, remember that, folks. That's the level the tag titles are on. They are not on the level with Becky, Drew, whoever else you know, the top, the main so, yeah, you know. <laughs> but I, I was trying to think of the SmackDown. And, Uh, The memory sometimes with the SmackDown stuff is not so strong. Braun Strowman, yes. Um, That's the way it is, and it's frustrating for me as someone that loves tag team wrestling, as someone that's seen what these guys can do with a 25-minute slot against a great babyface team. Very frustrating. Um, But I feel like before long, when everything gets back to normal, so whenever that is, I hope that we're going to have a different conversation about this team because I think the conversation will be about, okay, where do they rank again in the top teams in the world? Because I think very highly of them. Um, this hasn't sailed me on them at all. It's just not every place is for everyone. Everyone fits differently, different spots. So I'm hoping they find somewhere that fits them. WWE was just not it. Very simple.
1: No, with them, I thought the interview, it was what I expected. It wasn't... It was very similar to the, the Brody Lee interview where he said, like, he aired his grievances, you know, he, he gave, they gave facts, um, but it wasn't bitter or anything. He didn't, like, yeah. uh, the... Dash and, and Dawson weren't like out here, you know, putting people on blast and being like, well, Vince just is out of touch, doesn't get it, whatever. He They just very clearly said like, you know, we wanted to do this. He wanted to do this. That's his decision. It's his company. I didn't think they were bitter or anything like that. Uh, they did say that like they're going to weigh their options. They, they mentioned Impact, ROH, New Japan, AEW. I think we all expect them to end up. At AEW, at some point. Obviously, now who knows where anybody's going to end up. I do think they want to go on that like tag team run of, hey, let's go to New Japan and do the tag league. Let's go to Impact and do some stuff. Let's go to Art. Like, I think they want to work with a lot of different people and then they'll eventually settle into AEW. But I'm with you. I think they want to go out there, remind people who are really, really good at this tag team wrestling stuff and then go get their stock up even more and then go to AEW.
2: Yeah, and I'm with you. I mean, obviously, again, we're both assuming that, like, other shows are up and running in kind of – if things work out as they can, I I actually think they're going to make people wait for the Bucks deal. Like, I'm with you totally. I think they're going to do, like, a tour. I think you'll see a Briscoe's match. You'll see them work um, the North, right, in Impact. Yeah. New Japan Tag League makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's a – the New Japan fit is very interesting to me because I don't – it isn't a natural one that I can immediately kind of see what that would look like, if that makes sense. They're a very traditional, like, American wrestling tag team. Um, but that would be interesting, definitely, because their, their tag division could do it with a spark too, right? They could do as well. So, yeah, a Gorillas a of Destiny revolt match is a very strange mesh and mix, but I guess Tanahashi and Ibushi would probably be a little bit easier. But, yeah, no, I think you're going to see them pretty much everywhere until they set when AW. Tanahashi and Ibushi against them...
1: be amazing
2: (laughs) especially if it was in a u.s show as well i think it would be probably better but yeah either way like it's that one's a more natural fit
1: yeah uh i mean they mentioned grills of destiny they mentioned the north they mentioned the briscoes like all these teams they said that yeah we want to work these teams and obviously the the bucks as well so i think we're gonna you know whenever things return to normal we're probably going to get that essentially revival redemption tour of hey, we're still great at this tag team wrestling stuff and we're going to prove it not doing eight minute matches against heavy machinery, no knock on heavy machinery. It's really the eight minute match part,
2: yeah. I also think now that just as you was listening off there, I wouldn't be surprised to see them stop off at the uh, power studios just because I think they want to be in that environment for like one yes. set of tapings. That would not surprise me at all either. And who they're working at power in order to allow and. I sense that they have a relationship with the Dawsons, right? So I don't know if they'll just do that purely just for the sake of their own enjoyment. I have no clue. I don't know. I mean, Storm and Eli is actually a fun team. It's just – they NWA almost exists in its own little universe, so it's very hard to do these kind of like cross-promotion deals. I mean, Ring of Honor's is trying. It is tough. NWA exists in a weird spot. But, yeah, I don't know. They'll figure something out, I hope.
1: Yeah, Dawsons <laughs> is, a, is a good call. And Storm yep. and I completely forgot about uh, Storm and Drake just because – NWA hasn't really been at the forefront in in recent yes. memory, so that's my fault. um Let's move on to uh, let's actually go with AEW and Brody Lee, a man I just mentioned. Brody Lee, he's going to be challenging for the AEW World Title at Double or Nothing against John Moxley. Joseph, we've been I think iffy on Brody Lee with the this whole gimmick, but. What do you make of uh, Brody getting this title shot against Moxley?
2: It's weird. I remember when we were talking about like opponents for Moxley at this show before everything happened. Before we were assuming it was a Vegas show, and I remember saying, you know, depending on what you want to do to Dark Order, he could be the guy. I am not going to overdo this or like kind of dramatize it, but I think there's an element of concern here because <laughs> I sense that this wasn't the initial idea to put him this high up this quick. And it makes me wonder if they're just gonna like Moxie's gonna win this match and they'll do something different with Brody because I honestly, it, maybe I'm way off and I, I very well could be with their audience like they may just see something totally different but I just don't know how much you can get out of this this Dark Order thing I really don't so to me it's a chance to if I was if I came in at this current moment was given what they've got here. This is the chance to get out of it and have Moxley win the match, and then Brody kills every single member that wears one of those masks and becomes Brody Lee. That's me. They may be looking at this as the chance to like coronate the big heel faction. And in that case, I have no clue. To me, it's a little bit alarming that they're going this match now, because I think it may sense it may suggest an adjustment of some kind, but I mean it's fine, it's two known guys. Moxley's like one of the absolute top guys. So it's a fine pay-per-view main event. This pay-per-view is capped just by default, right? Because of circumstances. There's only so big this can be. So it's a fine choice. It makes sense to me. Yeah, I don't...
1: I would imagine this wasn't the original plan. Um, I know it's been reported that MJF was the original plan, which makes a lot of sense. MJF was coming off the uh, Cody feud and it was really hot following Revolution. Brody, they there's two ways of looking at it for me like if you pay attention to the rankings and you actually believe aew sticks with that kind of stuff apparently you do not pay attention to the rankings at all joseph but look they put them out there every single we- wednesday like it's a real thing and they mention them on commentary and stuff and then guys are just moving to the top five by beating nobody's and then attacking the champion. Like that's how Hager got his shot. That's how Brody Lee's getting his shot. This is how you get a title shot in AEW. Just beat a bunch of enhancement talent, attack the champion, get a title shot. Like that's how this works. Um, yeah. I, I understand the circumstances of probably chain caused them to, to reverse course here. Brody Lee, it does feel too soon just because I like, I was sour on the gimmick when it was just it seemed like it was just a Vince McMahon kind of spoof and that's not what I expected and I don't even think it was that good uh on top of that. And you know, now he's just getting this title match. It just feels like Moxley's gonna win, it's gonna move on, but then where do you go with this dark order stuff? Like like you said, it's all right, is he still gonna be the leader? Like then what's his end game? Is it still the title? Can you know if you're the dark order, are you looking at this guy like all right, well, he just failed. Like, what good of a leader is he?
2: Yeah, I mean, the issue is, like, I don't want to go on a limb and be like, okay, this is the end of the Dark Order, because I think, based on the initial critical response, it would have ended a long, long time ago. I think it's pretty obvious that (laughs) the powers that be, so to speak, are high on it, right? I don't think that's that's a hot take there. It seems like they like it a lot, but I'm with you. Like, we assume they're not putting the belt on Brody here, and then from that point, it's where do you go from there? Because now you've got to go back down, um, I'm not sure, I guess my thing is I was thinking about it from the perspective of like how big even if they'd have nailed Brody Lee and they'd done exactly what me and you wanted how big is a match with him and Moxley I don't know if it's ever going to be like a huge deal so in that sense, as silly as it sounds I guess I'm fine with just kind of throwing it out there on this show because I don't, it's not one of those things where like for example, you mentioned MJF and let's just imagine MJF was at all the tapings it would legitimately disappoint me to, to kind of um, to think that MJF's title shot, where the biggest bad ass in AEW, Moxley, gets to beat him up, would have no fans. Yeah. Like just a few wrestlers. That sucks. I have none of those feelings for a Brody Lee Moxley match. I'm fine with that taking place. It doesn't. It's not a deal like where I'm like, oh, that's a real missed opportunity. So from that point of view, they have managed to have two guys with some kind of marquee appeal. One a lot more than the other, of course, but. They're not giving away something that I'm desperate to see in front of a hot crowd. So they've nailed it in that sense. I just don't know what it means for the for Brody in long term. Is there a chance that they just put the title
1: on Brody? Like, I mean, because cause I'm with you. This is not a match where I would be clamoring for. Like, oh, this is a headline pay per view match. You know, but with this empty arena stuff, it's like, sure, give me this match, it's fine, I don't have an issue with it. But if if this is a headline match that you like, want me to go out and pay to see, buy a ticket for, probably not doing it off of this match. Um, yeah, Moxley and MJF, I'm, I'm paying to see that one. But do you think they put the title on Brody here as just a? we're doing these shows with no audience. We can do a bunch of vignettes with Brody. It I think it's easier to have a heel champion with no audience and especially someone with like Brody to where it's not totally crowd reaction based like if you put the title on MJF with no audience, probably doesn't work as well. You know, he's going to yeah. rub it in front into everybody in front of nobody. Like Brody can just kind of get away with being Mr. Brody Lee in front of nobody.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I just I feel like he's a mile away. I really do. And, I, and I'm very high on him as a talent. I just, I don't know, man. This presentation to me is very prelim. I don't get any kind of, my, when I watch it, I don't get the feeling it's like a top heel faction at all. And I know that's what it's probably supposed to be with the kind of, oh my God, they're taking over AEW. That's just not what I get from it at all. So to me, the the reason you could put the belt on a Jericho or a Moxley is because they've been absolute like top guys in WWE, right? I mean, not for any fault of his own. Brody just wasn't that. I feel like you have to do a lot more rebuilding than a couple vignettes of him kind of stay up and showing at people before you can go, okay, he's our top guy, because that's what the belt was supposed to mean in theory, right? And I think even if Moxley, because of circumstances, isn't there, like you know, it's different the way things worked out. But you can definitely make the argument that Moxley is their top guy. Brody is just to me so far away from that that you have to. I mean, you have to be very careful making that move.
1: I, I would be stunned if they did it. I would be very yeah. surprised. It's just maybe that's what they're thinking dur- during these times because it's tough to actually have a long term plan right now because like you don't want to burn these matches I- in front of nobody. It would feel it would feel like a missed opportunity um, to to give away some of this stuff in front of nobody. And I think you could just potentially just do Brody Lee w- with no audience. You've got more top babyface challengers than you do top heel challengers. And I don't know if there's like a ton of like big Brody Lee matches out there. Like if you just do Brody Lee against Kenny Omega as like a headline match, like I don't – and that's a good match. I don't think that's like a super marquee match that you want to really headline a strong pay-per-view with.
2: No, I'm with you. The more you're kind of selling it to me, I'm starting to (laughs) – because you're right. Like the truth is, if Moxley just wins here, how many more heels can you use to delay the MJF match before we have any kind of semblance of an that? Like it could be a long time, right? And that's, I guess, the point of what you said about long term wise. No one knows what's going to happen. So now I'm with you. I just think it's such a bold move, right? I, I don't know. It's hard for me because I, I, I'm, I think I'm more critical on the Brody stuff than most people. It just feels super unnatural. Is all I can say for me anyway.
1: Uh, it does. It does. Yeah. But that that's the direction they're going with Brody Lee. We'll talk more about Double or Nothing as the uh, weeks close in on that pay per view. Let's move on to uh, something else that happened on Wednesday night. The former Killer Cross, Carrion Cross, made his NXT debut. He killed a man, Leon Ruff. Uh, he was there with Scarlet Super presentation according to all the reports they're they're very high on killer cross joseph uh they have high hopes for him this is a big news scoop that they have high hopes for this guy what do you think of uh cross's debut and the high hopes that WWE has placed upon him to carry the company for the foreseeable future
2: well so you mean to tell me that (laughs) they debuted a tall muscular man with a blonde lady and there was a report the next day that they had high hopes well i tell (laughs) you I am shaking to my boots, Jeremy, because when I saw the entrance, I was thinking they were introducing it would be kind of a job guy of some kind. So, <laughs> shocked by this. I want to know your take on the entrance, okay? So, I've seen my timeline initially. I was not watching the show live, but I always am on my timeline, so I know the stuff not to watch. Uh, just a quick secret there for anyone that does shows like this. Um, and I'm I'm going here, and people are getting excited, and everyone's saying, I'm not exaggerating here, there was a lot of takes saying this was the best entrance in wrestling. And I was... I, at that point, I become cautious, right? Because I'm thinking, there's no way this is actually going to be the best entrance in wrestling. I watched it. I was somewhere in the middle, and then I I realized later that there was a lot of takes on the other end saying it was, you know, over the top and cringe was the word being thrown around a lot. I I want to know what you thought, Jeremy, because outside the lip sync deal for me was a little bit that was, it was, a, little, it was a little much. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> they they that's where they lost me is the lip sync yeah. deal. Uh, I saw people compare it to a tai chi in new japan and i'm I'm not like the uh, tai chi's gimmick is fine his his actual work i can take or leave um yeah the that's where they lost me though was the lip sync stuff i was just like just do your entrance it's, it seems like a cool song looks scary whatever do all that i don't need you like lip syncing this song it that, that looked corny to me
2: yeah and it also i mean i don't want, here's me i think mean, very good. And I, I totally get why people are looking at him and saying... As much as we mock the high hopes for now, I can totally see why people are looking at him and saying he has an actual chance of being a guy on the main roster. I get that, 100%. But I can't help but think that this entrance leans even more into the danger of it being a deal where like, he's having matches on Raw and the crowd is trying for Scarlett. And like, we've seen this stuff happen before to very talented people. I mean, Rusev suffered from this for a while, right? And I just think I would be hesitant to emphasize her to that degree. And my camera has just disappeared, hasn't it? Yes. Oh. Uh,
1: everyone sees the icon
2: of Joseph now. There we go. I should be back. Okay, so... See, <laughs> um, so I was like Killer and I was hidden for a moment, you see. I, you know. And I just... I worry, just purely for his sake, of, like, she's emphasized so much in that entrance. And that's cool. I get it. It's a huge plus to that presentation. But, man, it was... Like, he's, he's visual... As cool as it is, I just worry what impact it has to the general viewer. Like, who are they talking about once that segment ends, I guess, is my point. You,
1: you make a good comparison with Rusev and Lana, because Rusev would be overshadowed early on by Lana. Yep. I'm going to throw a, a similar comparison on just, like, the entrance level of Alistair Black. And, like, everyone knows him for his entrance. What is it beyond that entrance that you can bring to, and I, I just worry if like the, the entrance is just going to overshadow everything and he's just going to almost be pigeonholed by this thing of there's no actual development of, all right, he has a cool entrance. That's all you need to know. Like Alistair Black, you listen to him talk about this gimmick and it seems like there's a lot of ideas that are actually yeah. out there that you would never, none of this would come across on television. Like none of it come, like. He talks about, oh, I'm entering from the black hole, and you know, this is a supernatural character and stuff. I'm just like, you have a cool entrance where you're raised from a platform. That's all I know about your character. But everyone goes crazy because of your entrance. Like, I think Killer Cross could come into that area, and then you throw in Scarlet, and it's like, yeah, now you're just gonna be overshadowed by Scarlet as well. And they've got high hopes for him, I'm sure. He's gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna do their best to make him a big deal. Um, I like Killer Cross. I think he's a, a good worker. His facials are good. He obviously has the, the look and everything. He works well. Um, I I don't have high hopes for anybody in WWE. I'm just going to say that. I They can have high <laughs> hopes for him. I don't have high hopes for anybody in WWE.
2: Look, your, what you said there is going to be a problem for a lot of people. There's going to be a lot of people that don't get any kind of dip from this character. I'm just going to be honest and upfront now in saying that that like, I'll take the core entrance and leave it at that time. I don't need, you know, black hole entrances. I don't need any of this. Any of this background information for me is, it's just not for me. Some people, that isn't a problem for me, but I'm with you. I, I get what you're saying. And the Alistair Black comparison is one I've seen a lot. It's a, it's a real one, but my concern is I don't know how well that comparison bodes for, for Cross, right? Because Alistair Black is, um, I know, I mean, obviously there's flaws there with how they present him and stuff, but I feel like he's a lot more natural as far as the way he carries himself than Cross does right now. Now, obviously, not fair comparison. He's been in WWE system and done his entrance a hundred times. But I just, if that link is something that people keep dwelling on, I'm not sure how well it ends for Cross. I guess is my point.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure I'm how not well. Sure. Even if you, yeah, you have an echo there. Fix your issues, Joseph. Um <laughs> working now yeah it's good even if i've completely lost my train of thought even if uh alice like if alice or black is your ceiling then i don't know that that doesn't seem to bode well at all again like, i just i don't think the the hopes can be high for anybody like what's best case scenario for carry and cross he just goes to raw or smackdown he cuts like Similar promos to alistair Black or, or whatever. Maybe he gets a, a title. I, I don't know the ceiling for any of these guys. Any of them, Joseph.
2: It's all a matter of opening. It's just, I honestly, I don't, I don't want to over like oversimplify it. But it's literally a matter of him being around at the time and having momentum when they need a heel to work one of their top baby faces, and then getting over in that program to the degree where someone says maybe with the belt on him. That's really what it comes down to. Like. Guys that they are very high on are left just waiting for stuff to open up. That's just the way it is with how they produce TV and, you know, for better or worse, a lot of times worse. But it's almost impossible to predict this stuff, right? Because this isn't you know, it isn't a time where they're sitting there going, okay, SummerSlam 2022, we're going to have a cross ready by then. Like, it's not a thing that's happening, okay? Like, it'll work how it works out. His first step is just making this NXT stuff good. And it's very hard without an audience... I mean, this presentation would have got over so much better in front of the Full sale crowd. I know people hate on Full sale, but like their energy would have just made this so much better. Um, it was still fine. I just, if it's going to be like this for a long time, it's hard as it is, right? Without looking ahead to, I mean, whatever's going to happen to him on Raw or SmackDown at this point is the least of anyone's concerns, and rightly so.
1: Here's, here's a question for you. Okay. Do you think elaborate, cool entrances like this when was the last time something like this worked out?
2: Um, well, it depends what you put in. I mean, Ember Moon is someone that suffered from the same issue you're talking about with Alistair Black, right? Where it's like, oh, co-entrance, cool and then people want more. So I, who else is an example of a co-entrance? Cool I don't have an no idea. What, who has co cool now? Your guy, Bobby Roode, like every the glorious thing, everyone's like, yeah.
1: great entrance. And then Shinsuke Nakamura, great entrance,
2: really yeah, didn't go anywhere. Ten, like, this is the problem, okay? It's, Rude worked out in a... I legitimately believe they wanted to work out to some extent. Now they may not have got how to make it work. What I'm saying is is like if Killer Cross wins a Royal Rumble, I think me and you should throw a party and be like, My God, what a success. Well, that would be pretty impressive at this point. So like, did Shinsuke fail, or did just the AJ GMH's not hit as we wanted them to? I don't I don't know. Like the Bobby Rude one is another example in, in Long November and that's about where it's like What's his character? That entrance, bro. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I get you. I just, as someone that doesn't, I don't pay a ton of attention to that stuff anyway. The production is so great, and I trust that they're going to make it look good and glossy. At some point, it's going to come down to how good they are at talking, how good they are in the ring. That is when I'll kind of come to my conclusion. You're right, though. The entrance alone does nothing as far as the grand scheme of things. It's just literally just having a cool intro. I know that sounds like a useless piece of information, but it's 100% all it is because I've sat there in arenas and watched Shinsuke get this huge ovation as his music plays and he does his cool struts through the ring and then the match starts and it's like, depending on what night it is, that's the end of the show at that point, right? So it, it will see how it pans out for him. I'm with you on it. I mean, that means us discussing this entrance for this long is pointless because in truth, it will mean absolutely nothing, probably for his career in general.
1: The Fiend, Finn Dower. All these cool entrances. Simple entrances are the way it. look at the the top guy. You got Drew McIntyre just comes out, walks to the ring, nothing elaborate. Braun Strowman just walks to the ring. Brock Lesnar. All these guys just walk to the ring. There's no over the top production for these guys. These are the top guys. The over the top production stuff, that that's where it doesn't it doesn't hit. For
2: some reason, I think I'm just making a bunch of generalizations now, but yeah, I mean, because the problem <laughs> is, is me and you may not see the clown as a top guy, but the fiend is like an actual top guy. So That's therefore, not. all of this is just, I mean, to them, this is the issue, right? And I, I, you know, about plugging my stuff prematurely here, Jeremy, I come to this conclusion while looking back at the money in the bank and I was going through it in detail. It's like, the truth is his decisions are made very early on about where they want these guys to end up. And for the most part, the rest of this is just icing. you know, like it's all just reasons to not push or push someone. Like this entrance is great. And if Killer Cross goes through and cuts a bad promo, it takes one guy turning around and being like, nope, not feeling it. That (laughs) entrance is then rendered useless. So the Fiend, we don't get it, but to them, like that entrance is a big deal, I guess. People in the crowd love it. So, I don't know. I, all my only takeaway, genuinely, is that I don't know if I can watch do the lip sync every week. I think <laughs> we should save the lip sync for takeovers or core cool events, whatever. This every week maybe a bit much. That's my only real takeaway.
1: Uh, I, I'm with you. I think they should just save it for takeover. It'll be like a yeah. or just or just a demon Finn Balor. It. You never know when you're going to get it, but when that <laughs> lip sync hits, unbeatable. Killer Cross is unbeatable on lip sync uh, days, and then people are wondering. Well oh, why doesn't they why don't they lip sync every single time? It's like, no, you gotta save it for those special, special occasions. That's the only time you can do it.
2: I was really thinking that and when you brought up the demon the first time, I was thinking, I don't even know if that was like I guess it was a failure, but I was just thinking, was it always doomed to fail? I mean that's a different show for another day, but the, no, the, I... the hilarity of it was just like as soon as it came up it was like, Why is he not wearing a backlash, guys? <laughs> Like, it was always gonna happen, right? Uh, that was the thing
1: with that. I, I was being facetious with, oh. uh, these, these entrance comments and people failing and whatnot. Uh, another person with just a, a straightforward entrance though, <laughs> Becky Lynch, biggest star in, in wrestling. She was on the show Billions this past Sunday. Um, and now there's a lot of talk. Of her, you know, transitioning to Hollywood. She reportedly has she's gonna appear in an upcoming Marvel film. Uh she's apparently talking to The Rock and John Cena. They've been giving her advice. Joseph, we're gonna lose Becky Lynch to Hollywood here shortly. Keep killing
2: it, BL. <laughs> Keep killing it. Changing the game, B L. Keep killing it. No, um I watched the scene, Jeremy, on your recommendation. You said it was layered, you said I'd like it very much. <laughs> I didn't say um, any of this. <laughs> <laughs> true but this segment should be renamed can joe avoid getting nasty dms this evening as he discusses becky lynch as an actress? I look i i've never seen the show so i'm not going to comment on the scene it was not um it was, no, it was not a glowing scene. yeah it was it not a glowing good. starting point i'll put it that way um but i did appreciate the explanation of doing the job i did not like <laughs> have very much um i just want to say Congratulations to Charlotte Flair on another 25 title reigns. Um, timing is everything in this industry, as I just said to you a minute ago, Jeremy. It's all about openings, okay? And when you're the queen, and people are bowing down to the queen, and your main nemesis decides she wants to be an actor, that's when that's when things change, right? 10 title reigns, oh, that's cool. How about 40? That's my that's my take from this.
1: <laughs> um... This scene, uh, I've never seen Billions, either. This is the first, the first time I've really watched the show, and I only watch this scene, so uh, I don't know the context of it. I think my issue, besides the verbiage, like she's using inside the kayfabe shit, bro. That's a line she said. She said, "Let me give you the real kayfabe shit,
2: bro." Put 'em over. Yeah. Put 'em over. That's what we call it in the business. <laughs>
1: Um, I the thing I found funny is like Becky's trying to she's complete she plays herself so she's trying to like get into the offices or whatever and like. No one realizes who she is. People are just like, who's this crazy redheaded woman sitting out here screaming stuff? Oh, God, now she's fighting our boss. Like, what is going on with this stuff? And then she's like, "It's hey, it's me, Becky Lynch from WW- WWE Superstar. And it's like, man, people don't watch the product, apparently. So.
2: But they're very excited about it, though, at that point. like When they know it's her and she speaks for, <laughs> yeah. like, 10 seconds, they're all like, yeah, Becky's great. So she got over with them, if nothing else, right? <laughs>
1: maybe they'll (laughs) actually tune in and and see that she is this superstar and be like, oh yeah, she was in my office beating up my boss and whatnot. Uh, I thought Becky... like I didn't think she was bad in this scene. I don't think it had anything to do with her. The the dialogue was not good. The actual scripting and uh, her role was not good. As far as her performance, I didn't think that was bad. I think the issue here is... Like if Becky goes to Hollywood you're right Charlotte is just she already runs the division it's going to it's going to get worse if if Becky is gone and this is what this is what I think Vince has tried to push and avoid for years because he's lost Cena he's lost the Rock to the to Hollywood and he's like this can't happen anymore but now like Becky might be on that uh, same path
2: yeah i i don't know i mean i'm I'm certainly not qualified to analyze her chances in the field. I must say I'm not, but sure, man, good for her. I root for it. anyone that can get out and make a load of money. Good, good on them. Right. I, you know, for division's sake, like it's a hit, but like, let's be honest at this point, it's all just a big wheel. They just turn around. They'll put someone else in, right. they put Sonia Deville in and we'll, we'll, we'll get excited about it on Twitter. And, um, it's just the way it is. It keeps spinning as for performance. I have no comment. um, i'm just very kind of delighted by the thought of like the so i don't know who makes this show i assume they're a big wrestling fan who wrote this like they were like man i am gonna impress her so much with my insider talk <laughs> well this is... she's gonna get here and be like where did you wrestle world class you know what i mean like it's just gonna be it's gonna be electric i, re- I respect that part the,
1: that's how the the appearance came about is the the show writer producer um whatever he is i'm sorry uh <laughs> He was doing a panel, and he was wearing a Becky Lynch shirt, and Becky took notice of it, of like, hey, cool shirt, bro, and then they just started talking, and the the guy who was a big wrestling fan was like, I got to get you on the show, and so like, yeah, he wrote this part, so he is a wrestling fan, the person who who wrote this part, and it obviously
2: showed because we got the real kayfabe shit, bro. Yeah, he put her over. He put yeah. her over. He he made billions do the job by putting over. But I have, I have a question for you. And it's a genuine question, up front, sincere. I'm just asking it open here. Don't get mad at me, folks. Get mad at Jeremy when he answers. <laughs> is Becky Lynch famous in the United States of America?
1: Uh, No, no. Oh. I don't think I, – I really don't think anyone in wrestling is famous. At least today's wrestling is famous in, in the United States. Like – who is and this is not a knock on
2: Becky Lynch like no.
1: she might be the most famous but she's not famous
2: I just wondered because like traditionally when people make the transition I sense they have better like standing as far as stature in the kind of sports uh, entertainment world but maybe but was,
1: but was Batista famous when he made that transition I feel like wrestling was just more
2: popular then I mean I could be I don't know I could be wrong
1: wrestling certainly was but i don't i don't know if batista was like this like he wasn't a rock and cena level of fame when it comes to wrestling when all of this happened he just happened to get a couple of uh minor roles and then he landed the role in marvel and he was yeah. off from there i mean becky it could be a similar situation she's she's gotten now a, a minor role she apparently is gonna have some type of role in a marvel movie and if You know, Hollywood, they're always looking for something different. And you've got a a woman who carries herself like the man. Uh, You've got the accent as well. You know, people love the Irish accent. Conor McGregor, big star. So I I don't see why she couldn't be successful
2: in Hollywood. No, you're right. You're right. Good point. The thing with Batista is he's just, he's such a large human. He really is impressive. Andre the Giant Big. Yeah, and when... (laughs) When you combine... But that is so... I mean, half of the audience is like, what are they talking about? But anyway...
1: Watch the product, he, folks.
2: True. When, when you combine it with the fact that because of his wrestling past, like, he has genuine kind of charisma, and he's good at like whatever improv is at this point, it helps him. Becky he obviously has natural charisma and personality. I just didn't... I have no clue how to gauge how popular these people are now. You know, but... Good for her, man. I'm rooting for her. I'm looking forward to Charlotte versus uh, Rhea in ten years. You know, I wish she can finally get one up on the Queen. Bow down, Jeremy. Bow down. <laughs> Guitar riff. Uh,
1: Money in yeah. the bank. <laughs> Money in the bank is on Sunday. Matches are going to be held at the Performance Center outside of the actual Money in the Bank match. Uh, we'll get to the Money in the Bank match here in a second. But as far as the rest of the card goes, Joseph, anything on this card that you just you're dying of anticipation for
2: no okay. uh, no nothing um <laughs> i have you know kind of a sinister intrigue in tamina doing a title match <laughs> i have nothing against tamina i just am always fascinated as to what you get out of that scenario i have no clue it might be good maybe doubt it but we'll we'll see i'm interested in i mentioned this to you before jeremy i was not going to send you that i was not going to make you give me a question and just totally fumble the answer i am interested in <laughs> what the Bray Wyatt program means for Braun's title ring. Because, I mean, you explained to me that it is not the Fiend, it is Bray Wyatt. That makes sense. That means Braun can keep the belt. But if this program continues as they usually do, you know, one month after the other, I don't think Braun is going to beat the Fiend. So then that means, you know, that then goes Why? to the conversation of like, I just think the Fiend, to me, the Goldberg thing was just a way of doing the, the Goldberg-Brown match. I think they want to actually protect the Fiend until someone beats it. Like, I don't know if it's Roman at this point because apparently he's been erased. I've been, I've been told online, <laughs> uh, but I just, yeah, I, I don't think he will. So then the question to me comes like, is this, what does this do to Braun? If he, he's finally gets his title and it's just like an actual two month temporary deal where he just drops it back to the clown. That's what I want to know.
1: I, I think Braun can beat the fiend because Goldberg beat the fiend and Braun beat Goldberg. And by MMA math, then Braun <laughs> should beat, uh, bray wyatt there's an old reference for their people who are online years ago when mma math was a thing um yeah it's bray wyatt i would assume Braun is going to to win on sunday and that's why they had it be bray wyatt and not the fiend i think that i'm with you i think they're going to end up just putting the title back on the fiend try to just do the roman program whenever they can and, and go from there like braun was always felt like a transitional thing because he clearly wasn't the like he didn't even have a wrestlemania match until roman the got erased and they decided uh they they needed somebody for that spot and braun was their best option this this wwe champion universal champion braun Strowman thing it's not good either and i realize again circumstances Oh, smiling, happy-go-lucky, brawn. Oh, Alexa, you got me a gift. Ha ha ha! It, it sucks. It's not good at all. And like, I'm not a fan of the fiend. Uh, I will take that
2: character over what I'm getting with Braun Strowman right now. See, I'm and I've done a whole feature basically it's gonna plug my stuff again, Jeremy. I'm just gonna promote myself now in the show. I'm just gonna I'm gonna give you topics only that promote my articles. Okay, just so you know in the future. So, my articles. I am on the opposite side. I feel like at this time, with nobody in the building, it's like, I feel like they've got to just try with Braun. Just one last try to actually see if he can do this champ deal because for the longest time I've heard, like, he's an attraction, he's not a champ. You, know, you can't build around him. And I agree with it. My brain tells me that's the truth. But why not actually see now? Because I've seen the Fiend as champ, and to me, it's like, it's not an easy sell in itself. It's just, I just feel like there's no rush here. But now that you've done, you've started the Wire feud... If you want to protect him, I guess there is a rush because you have to get back on him. But I don't know. I mean, I'm with you about like Braun. They still haven't figured out how to present him. I like the idea of like using the Alexa character as like he's one kind of like weak point. Like she's the person that can calm him down. I think that gives you some fun stuff to do. People probably wouldn't like it nowadays. Like if you used her as like a uh, like his weak point, and I'm with that. I totally understand why. But what I'm saying is just as a character. I don't want him friendly to everyone, but it would be neat if he had like that one character you could use to get show a different side of him. Him being goofy and smiling all the time is um probably not the best route. But I guess most of his segments he's been kinda of doing weird like dialogue with Bray, right? Or Alexa. So it's too early to judge for me. That's why I just I'm interested to see if they allow him a chance. Give him enough rope almost here, you know? Like see this see if he does fail. I'd like to find out.
1: But do, does this prove if he passes or fails anything? Like, I, it's so tough to judge. It's the same thing with Drew. Like, and Drew's going to face Rollins on on Sunday. We we both envision that Drew's probably going to win. We we think it should be a relatively short match. We don't want to see Drew, especially with the way he's been booked since winning. The, I mean, even before winning the title. So it's really the, the Royal Rumble. Uh, we don't think Drew sitting in a headlock for five minutes and getting these heat spots is, is a good way to continue this run here and is the uh, first big major title defense. Um, but, you know, what my, my original point is, can, can you judge anything as pass-fail
2: right now? No, I'm with you. Right, you can't. But I want to see so for example you know Drew's been having these Raw main events and it's like we both know why they're short and that's fine but I want to see if Braun is versatile enough to do like the opening promo closing match deal like is he actually capable of doing it because he did it with Shinsuke which really was just like it was a nothing right the Shinsuke match is very short like I don't think Braun's incapable of having good matches at all I just want to know what he's like as like the centrepiece now again you're right it isn't the best gauge. there's no one in the audience it's not (laughs) ideal I'm getting that but what I'm saying is in some ways, that helps because it means he can't foul and get booed when he's being a big babyface goof. If that, if that makes any sense to you, like it's a time to experiment, right? We've got people climbing up the corporate ladder this weekend, so I would just give him different opponents to see how versatile he is as far as getting the most out of guys. Because SmackDown isn't loaded, but like, here's an example. So they're doing the Sheamus Jeff deal, right? Like, wouldn't it have been fun to just see what he did with Sheamus for a month? Like, Sheamus is very, very capable. He's a veteran. He's done it. I would just like to see it. I don't know. I feel like taking it off him immediately is just like, he's an attraction. He's not a champ. It's, you know, did we ever get a chance to even find that out? Like, he's not as hot as he used to be. But man, I feel like unexpected opportunity here. Try to do something with it. I guess is my take.
1: Your point on Alexa, and like, I think you, you've you layered it more than they ever will. Of, oh, yes. It would be nice if... Like, that was his weak point. Like, this is just a strong man who can destroy anything. Like, all yes. right, he beats Bray Wyatt, but then The Fiend gets Alexa. I know there's the theories of Alexa being Sister Abigail and all no, this stuff. No, no,
2: no, no. <laughs> I'm telling honestly, this is honest truth. I promise this now. If that is a thing that happens for more than like a segment, this show is it's finished, okay? I will not continue. <laughs> I will not watch Professional Estim. If one of my favorite professional wrestlers becomes the ally to the clown, it will not happen. <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I will not do it, okay? But I, I'm aware you was not saying it. I know that, Jeremy. i will just make it clear to the audience here. We are not doing that. Please continue. Uh,
1: my, my point was just like, <laughs> all right, you use Alexa to get to Braun and, like, weaken Braun. Yeah. Um, and I think you can do something like that. I, I don't know if they actually will. Because, like, you did set it up in that uh, – you know, that seems to be his weak point. That's happy-go-lucky Braun, And so you can play off of that. Will they do it? I don't know. Probably not.
2: Yeah, and the thing is, you, because of the way that the Bray character works, where there's no parameters, and he's apparently a magician sometimes, but you can do something where she's actually not affected in any way. Like, he doesn't have to kidnap her. He can make Braun think that he's done something to her right. right, kind of deal, right? And he sends him on a wild goose chase. The issue is, it would have worked better if, you know, when Braun kept saying, like, he can't get in my head because I know he's tricks and all that. It would have worked better if he never actually got in his head, but every time Braun says that, right, he does something. Like, the mask deal was tremendous in that sense, right? Like, he sat there and he was like, nothing's nope, bothering me. I've seen it all. And he sees his old mask and he's like, oh, my God, I can't I can't <laughs> fathom what's happening here. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just an idea, but it just seems like a fun little element to it. Braun is a weird one for me. I'm not a super big, like, Braun guy or fan. I just, I remember how hot he was at one time. And I still think there's an element to him that's like, there's something there. There's there's a there's something there that's bigger than just oh the guy that does the comedy spots at Mania. If we'll ever see it, I have no idea, but I do believe it for some reason.
1: We also have the Money in the Bank matches at Money in the Bank. Climbing the corporate ladder is the uh tagline for this. They're gonna be taking place at WWE HQ, which should be interesting. They're gonna be taking place at the same time as well. The men's and women's Money in the Bank match. For the men's side, we have Daniel Bryan, Rey Mysterio, Alistair Black, King Corbin, Otis, and AJ Styles. The women's side is Dana Brooke, Asuka, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Lacey Evans, and Carmella. Joseph, who do you have winning these matches and what do you make of... I think we've discussed them holding it in the corporate offices before, Mm -hmm. but now it's going to be at the same time. So what do you make of this overall thing and then who do you have winning?
2: I'm totally fine with the same time deal. I think it makes sense because I think it's going to be – ready, Jeremy? Cinematic. (laughs) I think it's going to be cinematic. So I think it makes sense not to do the same film twice on one pay-per-view. Make it one super film, right? It's like an Avengers movie. Ah, Yeah, Yeah. there you go. So I'm fine with that. I'm going to be honest. I have produced a lengthy article about this match, Jeremy. Plug. And I have not once considered who's going to win it. So you asked me that, and I was was sitting here thinking – I don't know why I expected Jeremy to ask me, but for some reason I didn't even consider who's going to win it. It comes down to a very simple thing, right? You can use the briefcase as a plot device to get the belt back on a top guy. You're looking at AJ, you're looking at Brian, you know, and on the female side you're looking at Asuka, I guess she's former champ, right, Nia, former champ, and it would just be a way to get the belt on them and do another reign with them. That's the safe choice. They did it with Alexa a few years ago. They did it um, last year with Brock. Like, it's it's basically just a few months of TV time. It's really what it comes down to. That's safe, but it also doesn't help anyone too much. The question becomes, if you're going to take a risk, which one of these people do you look at and say, okay, I trust that this briefcase is just going to be there fast track to where they belong, which is the top. Alistair Black is the guy I like most for that. I don't want him holding the briefcase, though. I think it totally would... Like him coming up in the you know the entrance <laughs> and him standing with a green... I just think it, would, it wouldn't work for me. So then it comes awkward, right? So for me, on that side, I'm looking at an eight-hour Brian. I'm going to say something that people hate, and I'm, I totally understand why. I'm not saying I want Corbin to win the match... I'm not going to pretend there isn't some good TV to be done with, like, Corbin trying not to mess it up again. I'm just going to be honest. I think it could be some entertaining stuff there. Do I want him as world champ, though? No, no, so therefore, that's a pointless idea. AJ and Brian, so I'm looking at the mouse. The females is harder. I don't think they're going to run it back with Carmella. I think... Um, <laughs> I really think Noah is going to win this and cash it on Becky, and I, I must say it's my absolute least favourite scenario. So I don't know even know who would go with there. I think Lacey gets too much stick, too much criticism, but I don't want her to win it either. So I don't know if you just go totally out of left field and I'm like, Dana Brooke, here we go. Like, I have no clue what you're doing that from.
1: Uh, females, I'm very adamant that it's going to be Lacey Evans and she is going to cash in after the Sasha and Bayley match, whether that takes place at SummerSlam or Survivor Series or SmackDown or WrestleMania or a live event. Whenever Sasha and Bayley finally takes place, Afterwards, Lacey Evans is cashing in. That that has been my prediction for weeks. I'm not going to move off of that prediction. Nia Jax would be the other choice. Shayna w- would be a choice as well because it seemed like they wanted to go there with her and then they just mm-hmm. didn't. Um, but the the Shayna thing, I guess it would fit her character of, of blindsiding Becky Lynch. But it seems like Shayna, she doesn't need that. Like She should no. be someone who just steps to Becky and is, is just like yeah, I'm going to cash this in at this time. Give me my rematch. Let's do this type of thing. Uh, The men's side, I keep coming back to Corbin, and mainly because it's easy television, and they they need as easy as television as they can get right now. You have Corbin out there every week with the briefcase. (laughs) It's an easy thing with with Braun. He's always taunting Braun, whatever. It's something simple to do, and, I mean, if nothing else, WWE is, is rather simple. So, uh, I'm going with Corbin and Lacey. Naya is a good pick on, on the women's side as well.
2: I guess I have to bring up Asuka. I've seen a lot of people saying an Asuka, and I. I don't know. The reason, why. I, the reason I didn't mention her is not because I don't want that. If you just ask me what I want, I guess that is my choice. I just don't. I mean, then again, like, there is an element when you watch the shows that they have kind of turn the corner on her, like in the sense that they see her differently to where they did before. Not saying higher or lower, I'm just saying differently. Like they do very different things than they initially did uh, as a heel. So I just don't know where they'd fit her reign in. Like I don't think she's going to be the one that beats Becky. So then it becomes, when does it happen, right? The Shayna deal is, um, if she's going to be the one that takes Becky's belt, man, they should have done that at Mania. That was where it had its most impact. Like holding it off to do a briefcase cash-in doesn't work. Nia, you could do the cash-in for heat. I'd rather you not. (laughs) <laughs> I'm coming back to Lacey here. Um, I I don't know, man. It's tough. So who's the first? So Carmella, Dana, and Lacey are the SmackDown free, correct? Yeah. Is there any legs in doing the Carmella deal and having her turn heel? I'm honestly asking this question. <laughs> um, I mean
1: Carmella's a great heel. I don't know how much, but Bailey's a heel. Sasha's a heel. Yeah. Like I I just don't know how much you're going to to get out of that if you turn Carmella heel off of that. So now, I mean, I think if a SmackDown, well, they're all baby faces now. So uh, on the SmackDown side in this match, and that's why it seems like, all right, you just have, if someone on SmackDown is going to win it, you cash in, you ruin whatever that, that moment might be. And I think Lacey's the easiest choice because she has the built-in feud with uh, Sasha and Bayley, that's why Nia is an easy pick for yeah. cause she is a heel. She has the feud with Becky. She could easily just cash in, do it type of thing. Um, Now, I, I think Carmella, Carmella and Dana are the the two least likely for me. I just, I don't see. And, and Asuka is there as well. Like I'm with you. That's pretty much, that's, that's best case scenario for me. Cause I like Asuka. Yeah. They, they don't see her on that having the briefcase and stuff. At least I don't think they do.
2: The issue with the Lacey thing is, and I totally agree with you, I think you're right, but I just, I feel like it just would kill her. I mean, I think she's already struggling with, like, just the general audience perception of her. They don't and I think see a that lot though. of it I know, I'm, I'm aware, but what I'm <laughs> saying is, like, sometimes with these things, it's it'll it'll be bubbling for a long time, and then it'll just go full tilt. So, like, for example, people online might were whining about Charlotte years ago, but when they did the deal where she won the bell rather than Becky, all of a sudden it became the arena does that make sense like the arenas haven't been terribly mean to Lacey's babyface, and obviously there are none right now I'm aware of that but what I'm saying is imagine a world in which we're in an arena at the end of the year and I know if it feels a big imagination I know right now just imagine it you're doing Bailey and Sasha and Lacey Evans cashes in like I don't see how she leaves the ring as a babyface. oh she does know in, in their minds they're thinking like they were mean to Lacey yes but I just I don't know the, the women's match is tough um yeah, I'm not sure. I think it is going to be Nia for the Becky deal, and they'll do like a short Nia reign until Becky gets it back. I just really hate when they break up a long title reign with a cash-in title change. I just, I know it's heat, and you know there's no one in the buildings. Who are we getting heat from here? Like, I just, To me, keep Becky champ. until you find someone you're confident can stand in them shoes, because Nia Jax isn't going to be that long-term, regardless of how high or low you are on her. She's never going to be what Becky is the division she can be a feud for becky she doesn't need the briefcase for that so yeah i think you're probably right with Lacey, um but it's too it's too confusing for me i'm just gonna get a simple naya. and on the men's side i'm gonna separate them jeremy i'm gonna say aj styles i believe
1: it's 100 percent that they they will look at the Lacey thing you do the big sasha and bailey whatnot I don't even know who's the heel and who's the babyface in that feud once it breaks up. Like, are they just both heels? Uh, when they finally have the match, like, I, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but they do that match and then, like, let's say, for instance, let's say things are normal. There is a crowd. They do this in Boston. Sasha, Sasha wins. We'll say Sasha's the heel. Um, but, they would view it as Lacey comes out. She gets her big moment, big title reign. She overcomes the bullies. You know, everyone, she thought this was Sasha's moment. No, this is her moment. Now she's the biggest baby face in the world. And, I mean, she would have gotten booed out of the building. But th- that wouldn't be the story they would be trying to tell. They would they would think that this is her overcoming the bullies.
2: Just one quick thing. this not do another one-night in deal. Like, if you're going to do the briefcase... Just do the briefcase and have someone hold the thing and get some TV out of it. Like, don't just rush it again. Can they do
1: that, though? Because this is is theoretically in Stanford and the other matches are at the (laughs) Performance Center. So do you start with a match... I actually do want them to do the one-night cash-in now because let's say Corbin wins the briefcase at, like, match three. Braun and Bray go on last for some reason. Forget it. They go on fourth. And then Corbin cashes in. So he flew himself from Stanford to the Performance Center uh, during that and then cashed in that same night. So I do want a one-night cash-in.
2: Okay, that would rule. (laughs) Now I'm thinking about it, though. I feel like... I read somewhere and it makes sense. I don't think this needed to be a scoop, but like uh, there's some talk that the match is going to be like throughout the show. Is there not like they're going to oh. kind of splice it. Um, so I, I think read the show. Will end. Oh, okay. I think the idea was that there was talk anyway, that like it would start at the headquarters And then Tom Phillips was like, anyway, welcome back to these empty arena wrestling matches. We'll head back in a while. Like, I think it's going to be a full motion picture is what I'm saying. Jeremy. I think it's going to go coast to coast here in terms of uh, cinematic matches. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. That would be awesome though. That would be tremendous. If then we get afterwards, a video package showing them flying across the country, (laughs) (laughs) that would be amazing.
1: Uh, I don't want this thing to run throughout the show. I think that would be terrible. Just give me the match. Let it be <laughs> at, like, I don't need this. You're gonna do picture in picture while we're watching, uh, Tamina and Bailey. We're also gonna have picture in picture with the, the money in the bank match. I don't need all that. Just, just let the match air as it's going to air. Not this throughout the show nonsense. Alright, so you're I'll, officially I'll going you. with Naya and AJ. AJ. Yeah. I'm going with, I'm going with Lacey and King Corbin.
2: Well, I mean, your options there are, like, you're not even feigning any kind of optimism. Like, I used AJ <laughs> as, like, I use AJ as my shield, you know, because I don't know who's going to tweet this stuff. So I, I use AJ as, like, hey, guys, Nia might be this, but you got AJ, you're just going to out, Corbin and Lacey. Come at me, bro. I like <laughs> it. I, res- I respect that attitude very much so. The,
1: the thing with AJ is I think he's going into the title program regardless because who else yeah. are they feuding with Drew right now?
2: That, see, that is one where I'm legit, like, Even though AJ's not where he was, that bums me out if that takes place and inevitably does take place in front of no fans because I think that could actually be tremendous. But, yeah, I'm I'm with you. That's the issue with a lot of these, right? The ones that are over in these matches don't need the briefcase to be in the title programs. So then you're left looking at the the underneath people and you're like, man, I'm not sure you can take that risk with them. So the one thing about Money in the Bank, and it is flawed, definitely, as an idea and just the way they execute it most of the time, it is interesting every year to be like, which way are they gonna do this this year? Are they gonna go safe or are they gonna do something terrible that will definitely backfire on them when they actually cash the big in? So this year could be peak of that, I think. When Dana Brooke cashes it in, we will have we'll have a discussion to, to be made there. I
1: you know what, I'm fine with Dana Brooke winning yeah. and cashing in. I do something different. Don't give me Lacey and King Corbin or or Naya. <laughs> Like, give me something different.
2: None uh, of this stuff matters right now, right? Like just, <laughs> like, just do it. Sure, make just make us laugh. Do what yeah, you want. whatever. Tamina wins the title. Dana cashes in. Do
1: it. <laughs> Have that big Tamina and Dana Brooke match for yeah. SummerSlam <laughs> instead of <Blockbuster>. Bailey. <laughs> instead of Bailey and Sasha. My God, could you imagine if they did Dana and Tamina instead of Bailey and Sasha? It wouldn't matter. I don't know why if why people would be upset. Like. I'd much rather see Dana and Tamina wrestle on these empty arena shows than Bailey and Sasha. Save that stuff for when it does matter.
2: Well, it, apparently, Bailey has like a year plan to drag this thing out to next WrestleMania. So, in that case, maybe she's already booked this in. Maybe Tamina <laughs> and Dana are going to carry us through it to the fall, and then they can take it back over and continue their layers that they've already been building. Right? Maybe that's the idea. She seems to have the pencil now, is what I've been told. So, good luck to them. <laughs> That was my hot take. Bailey has the pencil.
1: Ah, poor Bruce. Bruce just got (laughs) ousted. Uh, Money in the Bank is on Sunday. We will have live coverage of Fightful. Sean will be doing um, the post-show podcast as well. Joseph, anything else before we we wrap things up? Plug the feature. You've plugged everything else during this show as I've thrown topics at you. Uh, This show is just nothing but a vehicle to uh, plug yourself. So when does the feature drop?
2: I have absolutely no idea, Jeremy. I'm not that high up. I'm not that executive in that way. Uh, But you are right. Apparently, I'll have plugs and things. So um, you know what? It is what it is, guys. I write like three things a year now. So just allow me to plug them on the week of which they come out. Very stressful times. Very stressful articles. Braun Strowman article, Money in the Bank article about the concept as a whole. In totality, Jeremy, I go back to the start. I trace it through. Lots of horrific time editing. Please don't even read it. I don't want you to read it. Click it close it reply it's good that's what i'm asking (laughs) for this time folks bring it to me whenever the thing drops i have no idea when that is and that's all i'm asking for
1: do i get an executive producer's credit on that article because i did give thoughts and opinions on it
2: you do not but i will give you (laughs) some of the money that's if anyone offers me money for an exclusive look I will give you a cut. All right. And I'm not you. going to disclose what that cut is, but there will be a cut.
1: I don't know how much an executive producer actually does, but everybody just wants that title on, like, movies. Like, The Rock is the executive producer of, like, a million different things, and I don't know how much input he actually has. So, I He want just to... says, keep killing it. And they go,
2: executive producer. That's all that happens.
1: <laughs> keep killing it, J.H. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, fightful.com or your wrestling MMA. MMA is back this week. If you're excited to watch people punch each other in the face in front of no one, uh, MMA is back this week. We will have coverage of that wrestling as always. Follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Holbert five. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Lambert 88. TEW series part three draft this weekend. The actual start of the booking where we have the pencils begins next week distraction reviews every tuesday we will be back next thursday to talk more fantastic wrestling we'll have money in the bank talk we'll have something will happen joe something will happen on these shows i'm sure we'll talk about it thanks everybody for listening we will talk to you on saturday